Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Welcome once again to the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, we are on episode number 250. I had to almost like double-check this as I'm saying this. 252. Um, now that we're past 250, it's like, I don't even know where we are anymore. It's kind of like when you're on summer vacation and you have no clue what day of the week it is. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, as you can hear that from, might be referring to right, right. Um, as uh, as you can hear from the background, you have the uh, chorus of mm-hmmms that followed. Uh, I do have with me Bo Lovefest Warmbold. Bo, how Hello. you doing? I'm well. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, and then I've also got uh, Pat, the Master Canagallo. Hey, hey. I don't know what you're the master of, but I just I, picked d- up. <laughs> I don't know either. But it's summer vacation. We're relaxed, so I'm just keeping my okay. mouth shut. Master I'm of relaxation. T- I, I, <laughs> there yeah. it is. <laughs> oh, God. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stepping over that particular uh, pitfall there. There you go. All right. Um, so tonight we are going to be talking about the movie Born on the Fourth of July. I know we're mm. we're a little bit past Fourth of July when this one will come out. Um, originally, before life got you know in the way and some of the podcasts got delayed just a little bit, this one was really originally supposed to come out. I think I was going to put this one out on the day of Fourth of July. You know, because why not? Yeah. That that is the movie. The name of the movie. It was the day this was going to get published, but did not happen. So that's okay. Um, but uh, we're still in the month of July, so that's all right, too. But this one's born on the 4th of July, so we're going to get into that one here in just a little bit. But very, very quickly, our usual thing, this is a spoiler podcast, so as we talk about movies, we are going to spoil them. We don't really hold back in terms of plot details, things like that. So even if we're talking new movie news or we happen to mention something, um, the only thing we're not going to spoil is Stranger Things 3 because I have not seen it all yet. So mm-hmm. No. So I'm laying that down right now is we're not spoiling anything about Stranger Things 3. Well, by the time this comes out, you sure as heck better, because I don't know if I can hang on that long. Well, no, by the time this episode comes out, I will have seen the whole thing. But right. As of tonight, no spoiling. Right. Right. Okay. Um, if you have not yet left us a review, wherever you get your podcast, uh, leave us a review. That's a nice, easy way for you to support the show, uh, unless you want to just send us envelopes of cash. Um, yeah. You could do that, too. That we absolutely are willing to take those. Uh, if you have envelopes of cash laying around that you just don't know where to send them, um, you can get in, t- in touch with us and let us know, and uh, we will direct you on where to send those. But otherwise, if you want to just leave us a review on iTunes or um, you know wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, wherever it might be, uh, please do that because that does help out the show as well. And then visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's where you can find all of our past episodes, uh, a link to our Letterboxd page, which is another great way to kind of interact with our, our shows and uh, browse a nice visual carousel of movie posters and titles. And you can find our show that way too. And, and pick one of our past episodes. If there's a movie that you really, really like that uh, has come between the years of 1984 and 1989. So that's where we're at right now. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, in terms of movie news, I don't really think, I don't think there's too much going on movie news wise. 
Can, can I can yeah, I throw something you, out? Do you have something? I saw Toy Story four. I oh, guess yeah, now okay. it'll be a couple of beasts back, and I just want to give that a shout out. Fantastic. Okay. Fantastic. And it's twenty five years old. I mean, the yeah. first one came out in ninety five, and I'm just like, I they it just it just keeps getting better and in depth and it, well, I mean better, but I just say richer and deeper and just more. Um, they they bring so much humanity and story and uh, deep deep um, concepts through this this which is a, a, an animated film for kids which it's not just for kids but you get what I'm saying so Toy Story four fantastic the other thing I want to say is my family has taken a deep dive into the world of How to Train Your Dragon and. My my kids always kind of liked it and watched the TV shows. Dominic read the books, and it was kind of like, okay, I know about it. And I'd ask him, you know, tell me what about the plot, and I'd read some of the books with him and all that. Well, then all of a sudden, the third movie came out, and I don't even know that I hadn't seen the first two movies. And so we rented it the other night, and I'm just kind of sitting down and watching it. And within like 30 seconds, I'm like, I am sucked into this thing. It's fantastic. And the music is excellent. And so we went back and watched the first two movies and it's like, I'm hooked. Like these, I mean, these stories, I found myself like I'm tearing up, I'm laughing. I'm just, and so I'm just very excited, especially, you know, 2019, we've got two fantastic and there's probably more that I'm just not thinking about, but you've got how to train your dragon three toy story Four, just these fantastic animated franchises. Um, and uh, with just great music, um, and great stories and themes. And so that's just kind of my, my new movie news is just that just, um, fantastic animated movies are all around us. Nice. Nice. Now I did want to do, um, Oh, actually, before we move away from toy story four, I did want to say we were at, we were walking around, uh, during one of our road trips that we were on week. I think we stopped at a Walmart just to kind of get out and walk around for a while. And we walked past the toy section and they had, um, is his name Forky? Yeah, yeah. Like a spork with arms and and so we walked past that, and I actually I took a picture of it. And I think I might have tweeted this out, but I took a picture of the toy. They were selling the toy for like twelve dollars. Mm-hmm. I snapped a picture, and I and my son was there, and I turned to him and I said, "I think you could probably just get a spork from a Taco Bell, put some pipe cleaner around it, and really it would be a lot less than paying twelve dollars for this doll that they're selling." Yes. Because isn't I mean that's kind of his character in the movie, isn't he? Just kind of made up of like googly eyes, a spork, and some pipe cleaner. Yep. Yeah, Bo, have you seen Toy Story Four? I have not, but my okay. nieces have told me all about it. Okay, got it. Yeah, we—that's exactly it. And actually, we came home after seeing Toy Story Four, and uh, that was the first thing Daniela did. Was we don't—we didn't have a spork, but we had a spoon, and the the spork won't like you know the spoon won't go into someone's eye. So we actually made Spoonie, <laughs> uh, which is Daniela's Daniela's answer to Forky is Spoonie. But um, you guys, well, that's, and that's the reason that I—that's the reason I bring that up is because the only movie news that I really found just looking real quick was that they are recalling all of those action figures <laughs> of, of Forky because kids are poking themselves in the eye. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. I can't even. You know, really we, we who grew up with Superman slime and all kinds of other like, you know, crazy pokey toys and somehow most of us survived and now kids are, you know, Disney is yeah. selling sporks. And kids are poking themselves in the eye. Heck, we grew up with BB guns and bow and arrow sets. So, no. and charts. Mm-hmm. Charts. Oh, I got in so much trouble with charts. God, I love those things. I know. 
Uh, oh, so, so real quick, I mean, this, this, and this is not necessarily a new movie news thing, but, um, and I do want to do, maybe if we have time to do an episode, maybe at the end of July or beginning of August, do kind of like a, a catch up from a whole bunch of different summer movies that we've had a chance to see. But I do want to say real quick, um, at the time that this episode will come out, it's, it's been a couple weeks now, maybe like three weeks now. Um, my wife and I had a chance to go see the movie yesterday, the Beatles mm -hmm. one. Okay. That is a really good movie. So if you have not seen it yet, if you like Beatles music at all, then that is just a really fun movie. Okay. So it was just, and it was one of those that like, there are moments in the movie where you think it could take a kind of cynical turn, but it really is just, actually my sister said it best. She's like, that movie is the definition of when they say like feel good movie of the summer, mm -hmm. like that movie is the definition of a feel good movie. Like there are moments where things could take a very dark and cynical turn and the movie makes you think it's going to go that way, but then it doesn't. Got it. So is it, uh, and, is and, it my a, wife, and my wife just texted me from the other room and said, you'll enjoy it. Even if you aren't a huge Beatles fan, is it a biopic with actors or is it like a documentary? No, this is one where the main character, his name is Jack and mm -hmm. he is not a very good musician. Okay. Like he tries to play gigs in pubs and it, it, it first, the first part takes place in England. He's trying to play gigs in pubs and his manager is, um, the actress, Lily James. She was Cinderella in the live action Cinderella. They did a few years ago. Um, she was, if anybody watches Downton Abbey, she was, was it lady Rose? Rose was her name in Downton Abbey. Um, she's kind of okay, his manager. So, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, she's his manager, but she also likes him even though he doesn't really notice that she likes him and she's liked him for years. And the premise of the movie is he's not a very good musician. He's about to give up on his music and something happens so that, um, you know, all the lights in the world go out at the same time. Uh, he gets hit by a bus and when he wakes up in the hospital, he slowly starts to realize through comments he's making and songs he's playing on his guitar that no one has ever heard of the Beatles before. Hmm. And so he, he like, you know, looks through his record collection and the Beatles are not there anymore. He tries Googling the Beatles. They don't exist anymore, but he remembers all of the songs and he's trying to piece the lyrics back together. And he decides that he's going to start singing the Beatles songs and it causes him to be more noticed than he was before. Nice. Hmm. The movie kind of takes off from there, but it's really, really good movie. And um, is yeah. this is this, is this something like my mom is a huge Beatle fan? Oh, is she, this something? You see this movie then? Okay, so it's not like a just an our generation thing. Like this is this is something that. Uh, oh yeah, uh, no. If you're if you, if you're not a Beatles fan, like Sharon's not a huge Beatles fan. Like she'll, okay. she'll come with me. We've seen that cover band American English uh, okay. a couple times, and we've done so. We've gone to some other things that are kind of. They're like, supposed oh, to be really good. They are very good. They are very good. Um, we've seen, there was another one. I don't remember if they were, I think they were called Beatlemania or something like that. They, they came to the, uh, Lincolnshire Marriott one time. Um, and, and we got tickets to go see them there. So, um, you know, my dad was a huge Beatles fan. I grew up listening to the Beatles all the time. I like the Beatles. She's not a huge Beatles fan, but she's come with me to some things. So she knows enough about the music and the Beatles. Um, but still not a huge fan. Still, she loved this movie. And I, I think if it was, even if it was somebody who didn't, know the music all that well i think they would mm -hmm. still just enjoy the movie for what it is but if you are a beatles fan i think you'd really enjoy this movie okay cool so yeah pat if your mom's a big beatles fan I, she should definitely go see this gotcha yeah and it's not like there's nothing there's almost nothing questionable in this movie like there's not a lot of there's not necessarily a lot of swearing there's not a lot of sex there's you know there's just it's just a fun movie and okay it just, 
you cool. know, yeah, you, you can have fun at this movie. And, um, and I'm trying to remember, like, you know, even if we could show this to the kids, I don't remember if there's any part in the movie necessarily where it's something that I'd say, well, oh, no, I don't think the kids should see that. Um, it might've been rated PG 13, but I don't remember why. So yeah, I, but anyway, just a really fun movie. Okay, cool. But yeah, definitely. If, if your mom's a Beatles fan, she should go see this movie. Yeah. All right, cool. It's called, it's called Yesterday. Got it. Got it. All right. I'm and sending that. The, the director was uh, Danny Boyle, who also did Slumdog Millionaire mm-hmm. and, and uh, Train Spotting. And... So, awesome. Yeah, definitely put that on your watch list. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. So I think in terms of new movie news, that's probably it. Um, yeah. So let's jump in the DeLorean. We'll head back to 89 for just a moment here. So, uh, we are looking at kind of like the week of, uh, this would be about July 11th to July 18th, 1989. Um, I'm going to start off with some more depressing ones, but on July 10th of 1989, uh, comedian and voice actor, Mel Blank, who did the Looney Tunes like Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, uh, he died on July 10th, 1989. On July 11th, the actor Laurence Olivier died. On July 14th, it was the 200th anniversary of the French Revolution. Then on July 17th, it was the first test flight of the stealth bomber. Hmm. Oh, wow. The top book was The Russia House by John le Carre. This is still up there. It's going to be there for several weeks. Uh, Top movie, Lethal Weapon 2, took over from Batman uh, for a few weeks. Um, And then the top song was Good Thing by Fine Young Cannibals. Ah. Our movie this time is Born on the 4th of July. It came out on the 20th of December, 1989 in a limited release. Rated R with a runtime of 2 hours and 25 minutes. Director is Oliver Stone, who also did Platoon, Wall Street, and JFK. Producers were A. Kitman Ho, uh, who did Wall Street, Ali, and Hotel Rwanda. Lope V. Jubin Jr., I'm I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, also did uh, produce Born Legacy and 13 Days, and Oliver Stone was one of the producers as well, did JFK, Nixon, and Any Given Sunday. Writers were Ron Kovic, who did the book and screenplay, and Oliver Stone, who did the screenplay. Kovic, this is his only credit, Born on the 4th of July. Stone is also a writer for Midnight Express, Scarface, and Conan the Barbarian. Cinematography by Robert Richardson, who did Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 and The Aviator. Music by John Williams, who did Star Wars, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, all that fun stuff. Budget on this one was $17.8 million. Box office was $161 million. Rotten Tomatoes Critics gives it an 89%. Rotten Tomatoes Audience gives it a 76%. IMDb gives it a 72%. Letterboxd a 70%. And CinemaScore gives it an A-. Starring Tom Cruise as Ron Kovic. He was in Top Gun and Last Samurai. Raymond J. Berry was Mr. Kovic. He was in Sudden Death and Falling Down. Caroline Kava was Mrs. Kovic. She was in Year of the Dragon and an episode of Quantum Leap. Tom Berenger played recruiting gunnery sergeant Hayes. He was in Platoon and Major League. Frank Whaley played Timmy. He was in Pulp Fiction and The Doors. Jerry Levine played Steve Boyer. He was in Teen Wolf and Canine. A lot of uh, uh, dog themes there. Kira Sedgwick was Donna. She was in The Closer and Phenomenon. Tom Sizemore played a vet in the Villa Dulce scenes. He was in Saving Private Ryan and Black Hawk Down. Michael Wincott also played a vet in the Villa Dolce scenes. He was in Basquiat and Talk Radio. Brian Larkin played young Ron Kovic. He was in Edward Scissorhands and Jacob's Ladder. And finally, Willem Dafoe played Charlie. He was in Last Temptation of Christ, Platoon, and Shadow of the Vampire. Here is the trailer for Born on the Fourth of July, and we'll be back just a moment. I wanted to be a good American. I wanted to serve my country. I couldn't wait to fight my first war. 
So born on the 4th of July, um, let, let's just start with our usual question. Is this the first time you guys have seen this movie? Not um, for my, not for myself. Okay. Might be the first time I sat down and watched it all the way through. Okay. I have definitely seen portions of it, knew of it, sort of knew what I was in for, but. Okay. I knew roughly what I was getting. I, I had not seen it before, um, but I knew kind of what I was getting in for. I knew, um, you know, I had seen clips of some of the scenes. I don't remember why mm-hmm. or how, but some of the scenes of um, uh, maybe of him at the, um, was that the one at the Republican convention? Yes. Yeah, so yep. the Republican convention. I remember seeing like that clip where he's talking to the press and they're trying to drag him away, but I don't recall having seen anything else from this movie. So, so this was a, a totally brand new first viewing for me. Um, but Pat, you said you have seen this before. Yeah, I have seen this. Uh, I have seen this film before, and okay. uh, it, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I saw it back in. Uh, I think I saw it back in high school, and okay. I, I started off with uh, you know bits and pieces of it, and then at some point between high school and college, you know, watched the whole thing, uh, cover to cover, as they say, and uh, you know, it's um, since it's, and this is the first time I've watched it cover to cover since since back in back in that time so okay 
So what did you think of it like that when you, you've seen it the first time? I, I, know, I, and, I know I'm putting in these dramatic pauses just because I, I mean, what do you, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, uh, it's a powerful movie on, on so many levels. And I, I'm just, and I'm going to preface everything I say in this podcast just with, I have not served. And so I want to be really careful and very respectful before I start throwing around opinions uh, you know, that about people and uh, that have served as well as, you know, a war that I, a war that happened before I was even born. Right. Um, you know, those things being said, it's just, well, um, and, I'll, and I'll stop you right there for a second. Just say none of us have like none, right, none, of, none right. of the three of us here have served in the military. We were Correct. all born after, you know, the Vietnam right. war took place. So no, go ahead. I just want to throw that right. out there for everyone listening. And I remember growing up and in discussing the war, the Vietnam War, because, you know, growing up, that was the war. That, that was the most recent war that was discussed mm-hmm. um, or not discussed. And, you know, it, it was such a, from what I've read and talked to people and all that, it was such a time of upheaval and a time of struggle. And, you know, you look at this and I mean, it's a very stark uh, portrait of how the people that went and served our country were ultimately ultimately treated. And I I don't want to say just even ultimately, but even before that, I mean, the idea of going off to serve and, you know, it it was, it was portrayed as, you know, that this is going to be a good thing and it's going to be a glorious thing. And it was almost likened to, you know, a wrestling match or some sort of a, a game or something like that. And, you know, the way they portrayed it in the movie is you could tell right from that first parade that he saw when he was a kid and you could see the guys walking down the street that were all either torn up or you could tell they weren't quite right. Um, you know, you, you knew that, you knew that this was going to be kind of a different, a different approach. And I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, um, but I've, I've read a number of books on it and I've, I've, you know, I think that Ken Burns documentary was amazing about the Vietnam war. I don't know if you guys caught that, that I think should be a, I think that's a must watch um, personally, but it's, it's, it interviewed um, uh, Marines. Actually, a lot of the people that they interviewed were Marines. And, um, you know, one of the things that they talked about was just that is just coming back and, you know, soldiers that were being spit upon or soldiers that just basically threw the uniform in the trash or, and just tried to get back and, you know, this whole post-traumatic stress disorder, I mean, that wasn't even approached. Um, and, you know, you, you might get into the, well, what was the difference between this and World War II or World War I or Korea? Well, I think the difference was, you know, this is, you know, those wars, they ended, well, maybe not Korea, but I mean, you know, World War II and World War, well, it ended with parades and it ended with this and, you know, that it was just kind of glossed over. And I think this war being as long as it was, and ending the way it did and then just kind of being swept under the rug. I mean, it, I just, I, it just, I mean, it was, it's very much like an open wound. And like I said, I remember growing up and talking to people that would just say this, this wasn't a war. It was a conflict or we didn't lose. It was a draw. And, and like I said, I think that Ken Burns documentary interviewed people that were generals, people that were privates in the field. I mean, and it it just really showed 
a lot of what what these guys struggled with. Now, I'm just kind of rambling. It's just all these thoughts that are going through my head as I'm watching the movie. I'll try and bring it back. But when you watch this movie that was based on a real a, a real guy, and I would assume that a lot of the things that they portrayed in there were, you know, if it didn't quite happen to him in that way, it happened to someone. But, you know, you see this and, you know, his his family doesn't quite accept him back. He doesn't feel like he's at home. I mean, there's people that are protesting the war and, you know, they're angry about the war, but they're angry about this. They're angry at the soldiers. And all they did was follow the orders. It's not like they're asking to be, you know what I'm saying? It's not like they're the ones instituting the government policy. And in that watching that Ken Burns uh, documentary and in reading a couple of books by you know, service personnel that were there. I mean, it was just, you know, our, we were just let down almost on every level by the government. I mean, just the way the war was fought, the way it was conceived, the way the soldiers were treated when they came home. And it, uh, it was just very painful to see. And, um, you know, this one line, this one line that just comes out of that Ken Burns documentary, as I think about this, is this one guy just kept saying, um, in that documentary is he says, you know, he talked about a lot of the after effects and what happened and what the, what happened to him in Vietnam while he was fighting the war. Um, and just with the brutality in that. And he said, this is what happens when you send your kids to fight your wars. I mean, they're 18, 19 year old kids. I mean, it's just like, dear Lord. And then to see that aftermath when they get back. And I mean, you know, I almost think, you know, now that's, and I think probably starting with like the Gulf war is I just, there just seems to be just so much a, well, we support the troops, you know, that, and unfortunately, I, I mean, well, everything gets politicized and I'm trying to try and sidestep that. But I, I think that seems to be one thing that's wrong now in all these more recent wars that we've been involved with is this knowledge of PTSD and this knowledge of, hey, we got to support the troops. And, and now we're almost on the other side of it where, you know, you just, it's automatic that you say, thank you for your service. And now the, the message is, okay, well, we kind of have to move beyond that because that's, we don't even think about that anymore. We just say, thank you for your service. And, and you just make sure that you do that, but there's gotta be some thought behind that as well. Um, so I, I don't know if, I don't know if any of that made sense, but I have a lot of thoughts about this movie and what it portrays. And I, I just, um, I, I just, I just think it's it's just very important watching whether you agree with it or not. And and again, if I'm offending anyone that's served or, or whatnot with what I say, I apologize. But sitting here and looking at that, it's I think that's just an important side to see, you know, when we when we talk about getting our our men and women in the service involved in war and involved in something that that there's that very human cost and seeing what that what happened. Well, first of all, seeing them torn up in battle, but then coming back and just, you know, there, there's not, I mean, there was no support back here. I mean, even the family didn't know how to support him. I mean, they were yelling right. at him for, they were yelling at him for swearing. I mean, the mom was just, and I think maybe a very real attitude, but it was just like, oh my God, you know, your son is, at, so I'm, I'm rambling. I apologize. But those, those were kind of my thoughts that I've had with this, uh, this movie. So. No, it, 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 literally the definition of a podcast is that we just sit and ramble for about an hour. So yeah, okay. that's kind of what we do here. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> like, like I said, it's, unless, uh, unless I missed the memo, that's what I've been doing. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Well, all right, good. I'm just just making sure I'm within the bounds. But anyways, oh, yeah, those those no, none of what the, you said is off base. I, and it's it's know, just it's, it sticks it sticks and it's just there's just a lot. I just remember when I first saw it in high school. I just would keep going back to these scenes and just trying to somehow frame that and say, well, how did how does this you know what how does this fit in? Like where what's going on? You know. So anyway, those are my thoughts on seeing the movie. So what what did what did you guys think? You know, I, any anti-war movie is, is it's designed to stir up feelings mm-hmm. um, on both sides. And, and coupled with the fact that this was Oliver Stone, who was going to, you know, he's trying to dredge up feelings in any movie he makes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the movie. I like the, the story. It's telling as a story. I know it was based on the book that, that he wrote. Um, I'd love to read that book mm-hmm. just to see how truthful it is to the source material. Um, it's like every, you know, it, it, we are a movie podcast, so, I, you know, I will complain about the movie a little bit. Um, like every Oliver Stone movie, it's a little long, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel like it jumps around a lot in places where it doesn't need to. Like, I almost feel like it needed to be longer in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like some of the early stuff, it would, it would have been more interesting to see him earlier in his tour of duty, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we jump into Vietnam and then all of a sudden he has this problem and I know we want to focus on everything that goes on back at home. But mm-hmm. it would have been a little more interesting to develop the... Develop the drive of this character who becomes the character we see in the future. Mm-hmm. I feel like so much time is dedicated to the end that we could have used a little more in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the story itself is very powerful and it, it makes a lot of salient points. I mean, it, it highlights that the troops were treated poorly and it, you know, sort of brings up, you know, why, why, why are the, troops the ones that were the people lashed out at yeah and the short answer is it's because they were there mm-hmm. you know you know you don't see the generals and the and the presidents and the and the other people you see the troops and um, it's just wrong the way they were treated and right. if you treat if you take it as a you know it's wrong the way we treated these people movie then you know it's it's a different movie than if you treat it as a straight up anti-war movie I think that's one of the reasons this movie's um, talked about so much is because it does have a lot of different angles to it. Yeah. Well, and I wonder too, because I know this is, as I was reading up a few things, um, and I had not, before doing this podcast, I had not seen any of these three movies, and I still have not seen the third one. This is kind of the second movie in Oliver Stone's Vietnam trilogy that mm-hmm. he did. Uh, what is it? The third one is called, is it called like heaven and earth or something like that? It's another one I haven't seen. Um, Yeah. It's something, I think heaven is in the title. It's like heaven and earth or or something like that. Um, But so in watching this one, I kind of thought that too. I was like, okay, well, platoon spent all of its time in the war. Like you were in the fighting and this one is more of the, what happens when you come home. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Bo, that was the same issue that I had with the movie was heaven and earth. You called it Is it heaven and earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like 90, 
three. Wow, that's disturbing. That <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you hit that. I aim to disturb. Succeeded. Um, so, you know, platoon it, it, platoon spent all of its time in what's happening to these guys on the battlefield, mm-hmm. um, in the jungles. It, you know, what's psychologically what's going on to them there? What's going on with them there? And then this one is all about what's going on when you get back home. Um, I don't know what the heaven and earth one is about, but um, the same issue that I had was where you start to see him turn is when they go into that village and there's the babies, there's the mm-hmm. family that's that's been inadvertently killed um, through their mistake. And then the fact that he, you know, shoots his squad mate um, accidentally in, in the chaos and the confusion and everything else. Um, I think that that went a little too quickly. Like I, I completely agree with you, Bo, that there are there are stretches of this movie where I remember watching it going, okay, well, we could have, not that I'm like, I want this movie to hurry up and be over, but I'm like, we, we could have either cut some scenes here or this seems a little repetitive here. Um, you know, I would have liked to have spent more time having him deal with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, because otherwise his turn you know, it, it shows clips of him going to these different things and listening to people who are talking about, you know, the evils of the Vietnam War and whatnot. And then over time, it's that seems to be what turns him. At least it, it comes across that way to me watching the movie. And I kind of felt like, well, I, I feel like that whole thing with the baby, um, you know, and, and that that crying baby sound effect comes back when he's giving the speech on the 4th mm-hmm. of July parade. And the, like, I would have liked to have seen that get repeated a little bit here and there. And I know that this is based off of a you know true story, so I, I don't know. I haven't read the book, and I don't really know that much about uh, the real Ron Kovic's life. But the the character of his high school sweetheart, like the one that he liked, uh, uh, Kira Sedgwick's character, mm-hmm. um, at one point, like she goes off to plan a, a meeting where they lost their speaker, and we don't ever see her again. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, well, well wait a minute, did like she go. She seemed to be, first of all, she seemed to be a really central figure to, to a lot of, you know, what's going on with him. And then they, they have this talk and he talks about, she talks about all these letters that he sent where he could tell her about things that he couldn't speak out loud before. And, and then when he does finally start to come around to her way of thinking, we don't ever see her again. And I was like, okay, well, I know this is based on a true story, but just for me, not knowing the true story and watching this as a standalone movie, I'm sitting there going, well, where's the resolution with that character? You know, if I'm, if I'm looking at this from a movie standpoint, I'm like, I, I kind of would have liked to seen her come back and like to see like, what does that look like when now he doesn't disagree with her? You know, when, mm-hmm. when they're on the same side now, what happens to them? Like, do they, are they friends? Are they, you know, are they more than friends? What, what happens there? Um, so yeah, there were just a few things here and there. Movie-wise, there are a few things here, here and there that were just a little disjointed. And and like you said, with a lot of Oliver Stone movies, longer than probably what it needed to be in certain stretches. Um, but that's just in terms of the movie. In terms of the the content, in terms of the the message that it's getting across. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say that this is a movie that I'm going to go back and rewatch anytime soon. But it definitely got its point across. You know, right. it, it reminded me of that. Uh, and I think we used the same quote when we talked about platoon. So we've come full circle here. Um, the uh, Sherman quote from the civil war that ends with war is hell. Mm. 
and I pulled up the full quote because I just I wanted to see it. And as I was reading over this quote again, I'm like that, that kind of like that's the feeling that you get from watching this movie. So this is the, and hopefully this is an accurate quote. I've I've tried to you know look up real quick to just make sure that these these are you know word for word what he said. But um, as much research as I could do real quick in the last like 15 minutes, I, this is what I found. Uh, but his quote is, "I am tired and sick of war. Its glory is all moonshine." It is only those who have neither fired a shot nor heard the shrieks and groans of the wounded who cry aloud for blood, for vengeance, for desolation. War is hell. And I think this movie completely sums that up. Like the, mm -hmm. the feelings of someone who was there, who went through it and yet came back home and got all this criticism. Um, and, and not that some of the criticism, you know, Pat, as you said, not that some of the criticism wasn't unfounded. Like there were definitely things to criticize. Mm -hmm. uh, about the way that the war was handled, but directed at probably the wrong people. Well, and, and I think too, and obviously I'm, I'm taking, I get what you guys are saying about the movie. Cause I, I, when I watched it as well, I was like, wow, they, they kind of jumped pretty quick from here to here to here, you know, from point A to point B. Now going into the story piece, like you said, yeah. And I, I'm again, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but I'll tell you the, there is a great book out there called Dereliction of Duty by General H.R. McMaster, and uh, it was written some time ago, but it really, it talks about on the government level, and it starts, it actually goes all the way back to, <clears throat> and he talks about just the way, like, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and all the various upper echelons of military, like, work together, and he talks about that, and even just the whole philosophy that of, of how we got involved with Vietnam, the way the war was fought, and it's not quite as simple as, um, well, we didn't fight to win, but there were just things that the way the whole war was fought, it, it wasn't, it wasn't making, it wasn't making sense. It wasn't proving out. And then this whole thing, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm referencing this book, but this whole thing got going. And then it was just like, we wouldn't, it, it was, I don't want to sum it up and make it simple, but it was like, we couldn't admit that we blew it. Let's get out. And mm -hmm. so for, for. 10 or more years, we sit there and kept going, you know, into the grinder with this thing. And, and that, again, that Ken Burns documentary does a great job of breaking it down. And they're interviewing some of these guys and they're just even talking about the, what we were fighting. You know, it was, it was kind of the bill of goods of, well, you got to fight the spread of communism. But when you look at it on the other standpoint, and these aren't my words, I mean, these are the words of the, you know, some of the people that were over there fighting is it was a, it was a people that had been at war for 30, 40 years, and all they mm -hmm. wanted was their own homeland. And it was, it was, it was, like I said, when you look at these pieces, now, obviously this movie doesn't give you that, that top-down view. It doesn't, you know, you're not going into policy. You're basically... At, at a at a at a very like the, the grunts view you know he doesn't really even they don't even show strategy much beyond like the platoon level because i think the highest rank he's talking to is like the lieutenant you know when they're trying to figure out it's like advance to this village okay pull back from this like that's the only view you get and you know other than that was just the bill of goods being sold to him like well we're going to go out you're going to defend the bup, 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 bup. and then when he comes back it is almost, and I've, I've read this about people that had gone and served and then came back. So much was changing socially that, you know, you come back and it's like, this isn't the, the country that I left. And it was evidenced in some of those scenes where, you know, um, people were throwing things at him and protesting at the parade. And, you know, he was visiting friends that suddenly the friends were like, you know, had no clue what he'd been through. 
and they changed. And it was only, he met the one friend, I think, that was also a veteran. And then that was where he had some common ground because it was like the guy had been there. And so he could understand what he had gone through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've read is just very much that like, yeah, the, the world's changed. And then, you know, the thing is that was a pop, it was a publicized war. I don't think any war previous had, you know, embedded photographers and all that. And so, yeah, I mean, they're like, you know, the, the, the quote by Sherman was, was from what I understand spot on. So you're going to take a look at, um, you know, the death of innocent people and, you know, women and children and, and the elderly and so on and so forth. And it's real easy to just, you know, go after the soldiers that blew it. And, you know, yeah, you, you don't want to sit there and say, well, our army's out there killing innocents. But I think that, I think that just, it, it needs to be factored in when, you know, you're going to use force or start a war. This, this is the, this is a reality. And you're going to be, you're, you're asking your kids that, you know, are thinking wrestling matches and football games and the prom date, you're training them to be killers. I mean, you just, you know, think of the, think of that thing in full metal jacket. I mean, just think of what happens in, in, in like that basic training. And when they're training these, I mean, you know, I mean, just think about that. And it's, it's, there, there's a cost and, you know, so. As we were watching this movie, you know, it just, it just gave you a sense of, you have no idea what life was like at this point in time. Mm -hmm. You know, we were commenting because we were born after Vietnam. Right. Uh, Both my wife and I were commenting. We're just like, you know, we have no conception of what this would have been like, you know, watching these, watching these riots at the, at the democratic convention in Chicago Mm -hmm. and, you know, all this stuff happened, you know, a decade or so before we were born. And Mm -hmm. it just, you know, if this movie, like I forget which one of you said it, but this movie earlier, uh, one of you guys said is that this has a powerful message and it gets its message across. If whether you like Oliver Stone or not, mm-hmm. he does a great job of whatever message he's trying to get across, he gets it across. Mm-hmm. You know, agree with it or not, like it or not, you know, and that's one thing that I think he's really, really good at is getting that across. One of the things that I really enjoyed, and I I I, I think I picked out the wrong thing, but all the scenes when they're in Vietnam and there's the fighting going on, everything seemed to have kind of an orange tint to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did that on purpose. The color choices, the color right. palette and choices. Well, at first, I was thinking, as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, so you know what? Everything, when he's in battle, and he's in Vietnam, everything kind of has this orangey red tint to it. So maybe that's like, and I, and I took the idea from the, the War is Hell quote, and I thought, maybe he's trying to make this look like hell. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in Vietnam, they're in hell. Things are on fire. The sky is on fire. Um, and that's what I was kind of taking from it until I read uh, a little bit after watching the movie that it's actually broken up into red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are scenes of, you know, the, the war scenes, a lot of that are scenes where it's red. Um, the blue, if there was something sad going on, then it was usually tr- uh, filmed in more of kind of a blue tint. And then dream sequences or things like that were filmed in white. Um, so that part I did not pick up, but I definitely picked up, you know, that was kind of that first stark, the, the orange with the black, when you first see the soldiers kind of coming up over that hill, um, Mm -hmm. the first moment you see them in Vietnam and and that part, I I just, I thought that was so well done. And, and I immediately picked up on that. I'm like, this is a very nice artistic touch to really get at the idea of we're not back in Long Island anymore. And I had completely, I, you know, I, I knew this ahead of time from looking up, you know, who was involved in this movie. Um, 
had completely forgotten that John Williams did the score for this. I think because there was so much popular music that was used that, that you don't really hear, at least I didn't feel like I heard the score quite as much. You don't mm-hmm. hear it in this one as much as I think you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Being the trumpet, uh, being the trumpet uh, geek, I picked up uh, uh, right away that the opening thing of that trumpet call. I mean, that mm-hmm. really stood out. And then it's funny because I saw, I caught John Williams' names just as I was watching the opening credits. And I'm like, oh, wow. And it, it almost reminded me a little bit of how like Saving Private Ryan, what he used with that, because that opened with like a trumpet call as well. Okay. Um, and then I think, it, you know, it, it um, but yeah, I remember picking that up and uh, I, I guess I kind of saw the cheat sheet because I saw the credits. I know. I noticed it right in the credits. And so then my, my ears were suddenly like cued into like, try to listen to the music, but um, yeah, very, it was a very, very good score. And that one, that melody and the way he writes it too, is it's this, it's this melody. It's a simple melody that just repeats and it's a very somber kind of sullen thing. And it, it's just eerie how it just kind of repeats two or three times every time it, it comes up um, with that, with that solo trumpet. <laughs> Now, the one thing I will say is watching this movie, um, it's, I'm, I'm going to tell a little story here and, and I'm not like, I don't want anybody to anybody listening to think that I am in, you know, just blanket criticizing war or guns or anything like that. Um, but, and I, I may have said this before on the podcast and I know that, you know, even between the three of us, we have differing opinions on this. Um, I'm not a gun guy. Like I'm, I'm not, I, I won't ever own a gun. Um, you know, and I have my own opinions on that and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anybody that they have to, you know, share my opinions. I'm not going to force that at anybody, but I will say having watched this movie after going to Texas where I grew up and, you know, lived around, you know, people who had guns, who went hunting, who did all that stuff. You know, we, we had a a respect for them. Um, I had never shot a real gun before. Mm. And so I went down to Texas for a few days to visit family and they, uh, while I was there, they said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take you out and, and do a few things today. We're going to go. There's this little town that's got some really nice shopping and uh, we're going to take everybody out to dinner for a, 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 this barbecue place. Um, and we're going to go to the gun range. And I was like, Oh, right. Cause people just do okay. that. <laughs> it's like, um, um, all right. So, you know, I, I definitely wanted to be polite and I was like, all right, I'll go along with this. I'll, I'll see what's going to happen here. And, was, this, um, was this recently or is this a couple of years ago? No, this was two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So, so went to the gun range with my family and, um, they brought their, uh, two guns with them. And, uh, one was a Glock and one was a, um, uh, 357. Mm. And so I had the little, I had the revolver, wasn't a very big revolver, but, um, you know, we, we, you know, bought a couple of different kinds of range bullets and, and all that. And, and then for fun, I'm using that with quote fingers, uh, for fun, they had also purchased some 357 Magnums. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That's what people do. This, it, dirty Harry, right? I mean, that's let's let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. And having never fired, having never fired a real gun before, having fired BB guns and paintball guns and you know stuff like that, um, you know, an, an air rifle. When I was in middle school, we had a, an after school club that was like a marksmanship club, and we used the air rifles and, and BB guns and all that. Um, but having never fired a real gun before, I'm not gonna. Su- this is, it's kind of weird because I, I don't necessarily want to say I enjoyed my time at the mm. gun range because I'm not sure that I did. I didn't hate it. I was going to say, but you didn't hate it. I didn't I hate it. I understand that. 
but I also didn't enjoy it because it was, to me, it was terrifying. Like not mm -hmm. the kind of terrifying where I'm going to go like run and hide in a fetal position in a corner, mm -hmm. but it was just when I fired that gun and, and especially that, that Magnum bullet, it like a cannon was going off in my hand. And I mm -hmm. thought, Oh dear God, like these are, you know, and, and, and then I went to, went to go watch this movie where you have people firing all kinds of large weapons and guns. And I'm like, I can only imagine, especially when you see the scenes in the parade and, and the guys are flinching when they hear the firecrackers. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I was in a gun range that's, that was a fairly safe place with ear protection on and, and felt the, the kickback, the impact of firing this gun. And it scared me. Mm -hmm. And I was not in a war situation. So I can only imagine what these men have to, men and women have to deal with when they come back and they're, they're, you know, in a situation like a 4th of July where there's firecrackers and there's those kind of noises and just, and the confusion of being in that scene where he ends up shooting his squad mate. Um, you know, I was in a safe place and it was, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily have the words to describe what it was. Mm-hmm. But being a, being someone who's not a gun person and firing a gun several times, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I stay there the entire time, the full hour and, and, you know, fired off all the rounds that we had. And we, we all took turns, you know, using a couple of different guns and all that. Um, it's marked off my bucket list. I don't know that I'm ever going to go do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm never going to own a gun, but that was just something that it brought new appreciation to weapons and to war and how weapons are used, uh, in certain ways and, and all that. So when I was watching this movie, I was like, I, I, I know what this was like to do it in a safe and controlled place. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine the chaos and the confusion and just the utter madness of being in a war zone. I can only, only imagine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mm -hmm. so that was my, that was my story of firing a gun and then watching a war movie. Mm -hmm. Kind of brought it home a little bit more. It did. It did. Like I, I, this is, you know, I, I see it on TV. I see it in movies and, and occasionally I'll, I'll play a video game where it happens and it just does not have the same, you know, when, when you actually fire that gun, I'm like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, this is actually something that people use. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, no, it, uh, it, it, I think it kind of, it added a little extra flavor to my, my viewing of born on the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything else? Well, I had a couple of things before we get into our five questions and all that stuff. Um, there were a couple of things on here that I, I know that Ron Kovic kind of worked very closely with Oliver Stone. Like they wrote this together. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think for the most part, it's pretty accurate. Um, you know, probably taking a few liberties here and there for the, the Hollywood movie. But, um, for the most part, I think it's pretty accurate. The one thing I did want to mention is Tom Cruise. Like this is his first, I, I think from what I could remember, this is really kind of his first major dramatic role. Mm -hmm. Like up to this point, you know, he's Maverick. He's, uh, you know, he's in the movie legend. He's in like, he's in all these kind of action movies or he's in rain man. I mean, yes, you can count rain man, but did you I ever, like uh, this movie was, was a bit more of a stretch for him than some of the other. Yeah. Now I don't know if this counts, but did you see when he was real young? Did you ever see the movie taps? Mm-hmm. No. Taps is a pretty good movie. I mean, I, I, I Taps is a pretty good movie. And he plays it has been uh, years since I saw that, but yeah. Okay. 
And so, but I, I get what you're saying at, uh, about it being a, a dramatic turn because I read something about it that you know they weren't sure if Tom Cruise was the guy for this role. Okay. But that's the only other thing I could think of previous to this, unless it's an action movie of something that's a little bit more um, dramatic. But but I don't. Bo, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he was like the main guy in Taps. I mean, he, he was, was not. Okay. You had God. You had um, was. George it was a bunch. Scott, Timothy Hutton, yeah, Ronnie Cox, Sean Penn. I mean, you know, yeah, it was but quite that, the movie. But, but gosh, that was, yeah, it has been a long time since I saw Taps. Yeah, good movie, John. It's uh, okay. it's a very list. classic um, military cadets um, that covering up a um, scandal. Okay, type movie. Yeah. Um, God, that makes me think of another one that's just like that. That's also very good, but I'm not going to remember. <laughs> I think I just came up with it. Yep. Okay. Very similar movie called Dress Gray. Mm. Okay. Uh, this one's got uh, Alec Baldwin, Lloyd Bridges, um, Hal Holbrook. Very similar um, military academy cover-up type story. Okay. Um, both very good. Okay. All right. I will add taps to the list. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought for, for this to be his first, other than maybe like Rain Man, um, for this to be his first kind of leading man. Kmart sucks, dramatic, right? Yeah. Well, Judge Wapner's going to be on soon. Um, five minutes to Wapner. Five minutes to Wapner. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an excellent driver. Excellent. Um, I think I almost said that when we test drove a car a couple of weeks ago. I almost said that when I got I the think car. I did when we test drove our Tesla. It was it was awesome. I didn't want to do that while the guy from the dealership was right there. Oh, I did it. Because oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know if they'd pull the keys back from me if I did that. Uh, this guy was pretty good natured, so okay. I went okay. with it. Dad lets me back the car out of the driveway. I'm an excellent driver. Excellent. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no. So I just, you know, for this to be probably his first time at tackling that kind of a role, being the leading man, taking on a, you know, taking on one of these, it's kind of the, I don't know if it's become a, a cliche now that whenever somebody's going for an Oscar, you can tell somebody's trying to go for an Oscar because they've taken on the role where they don't look like themselves, like they've gone through, you know, physically torturing their body to get into a role so that they could be this in this dramatic uh, part that will get them a best actor Oscar or whatever. And, and, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like this is his, you know, this is his first chance at doing that. And I'm like, wow, he, you know, that <laughs> I, I know what I think of in terms of like early Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I think of some of his characters as being very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of like Top Gun and I think of a few good men and I think of like, I, I picture those movies and I picture a very similar Tom Cruise and then this one, it kind of starts that way a little bit, but then it, it definitely takes a turn, um, you know, about a third of the way into the movie. Yeah. But I thought he did a great job with it. Yeah, he has. He seems in his career, he had a couple of uh, those, those you know, dramatic kind of things. But And now it seems like at this point in his career, it seems like he's come kind of full circle again. And, and he, he plays, you know, like the Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt, Jack Reacher, you know, the roles that he's getting now. And I love it, man. I'll tell you, I can't. I, <laughs> you I'm like just, Tom Cruise badass? I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I kind of have a man crush on him. I mean, I, well, I just. It's hard not to. I know. And just, I mean, the guy, it, I mean, 
like half the stunts that he does, he does all this stuff. I mean, like even some yeah, of the drive just makes him a crazy person. I don't know. Yeah, well, well, that. But even some of like even some of the bike scenes and the driving stuff, they're like, yeah, Tom did all the driving for this. And some of the stunt drivers that were interviewed said, yeah, he's as good of a driver as we are. So we'll be in the other cars, but he's out there. Yeah, he's doing his thing. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. But yeah, it seems like now it's it's uh, you know he's he's these are the roles he's getting, and good on him for it. I right. see he's already he's already been announced to be in two more Mission Impossible movies. Oh, I Which hope is just insane to me, but bring it on, baby. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I guess they're making a, did you guys see the movie uh, Live, Die, Repeat? No. Or, or they also called it Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I yeah. heard about it. I didn't see it. I heard about it. Well, because they, they, it didn't do well, I think, in theaters because they changed the title a couple of times. Okay. That would and be even confusing. Like, Right. And even like right up until the movie came out, mm. they changed the title again. I think it was called, it was called, um, I think it was called live, die, repeat. And then I want to say they switched the title to edge of tomorrow, but they didn't switch it on all the posters. Whoops. And then I, when it was released on video again, they switched it back to live, die, repeat. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But anyway, they Which is, you they're know, doing a it's very that. meta because that's pretty much what happens. Right. And they're doing a sequel to that one called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Mm. So apparently he's going to be in that one too. And then his next one coming up is um, the Top Gun sequel. Yeah. So, Which, as much as I love the idea of you know him being a badass, I'm not sure I'm up for the uh, yeah. Top Gun sequel. i got to be yeah. honest. So... Yeah, I, no, I, I feel I, like it's ruining my childhood for there to be a Top Gun sequel. Okay, well, I don't go into that ruining childhood thing. That's what I'm saying. I, it didn't. It, mm. <laughs> it didn't ruin your childhood. I know. Did in it, okay? I know he does kind of go back in time in that movie. Did he go back in time and like you know slap you upside the head as a child? Maybe. Then it, no. Then it didn't ruin your childhood. Maybe. You'll be okay. Says you. Before we. Says me, right? And I'm the host here, so what I say goes. <laughs> well, when he puts it that way, what am I? What do I have, Pat? I got nothing. So, I, yeah, so it's, I'm just, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say real quick before we get into our five questions and all that. One of my favorite movies of his um, is The Last Samurai. Yeah, oh, good one. Love that movie. Yep. Love yep. that. I don't even know. I think I worked in the movie theater um, close to when that movie came out, and so I think I went back to see that thing. I don't know how many times. I might have seen that one as many times as I saw uh, uh, Two Towers in the movie mm-hmm. theater. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed The Last Samurai. Yeah. Far and Away is fantastic. He's so yeah. good in that. Eyes oh, Wide Shut, stuff. say what you will about it, but he's pretty yeah. good in that, too. Yeah. The password to every website I go to is Fidelio. Fidelio. Mm. <laughs> I'll just let everyone on the podcast listening decide where they think the ones and zeros go. I'm just going to say <laughs> it was all super creepy when they all started looking at him in that meeting. Yeah. When they, when he, and then all of a sudden they're looking at him and it's just like, oh, dude, you better start punching your way out of this sucker. And I'm just, okay, super spoilers. Okay, I'm just being careful because I'm going to Bond now. Go for it. In the most recent Bond, um, uh, uh, what's the one where he meets his half-brother? And uh, Monica Bellucci's in it. Anyways, James Bond, the Monica Bellucci one. Yeah. Um, it almost reminded me of that scene. It was uh, like I got the goosebumps and all that when uh, when the head of Spectre just kind of looks up and 
leans into the light and says, welcome, Mr. Bond. And then suddenly they're all looking at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has, then he has to punch his way out of it. And they get into this crazy exotic car chase through Italy. And that was almost like, uh, uh, cathartic for what happened in eyes wide shut because suddenly they're all looking at him and he ends up getting his butt whooped or whatever the heck happens in that movie that you had a similar scene in the bond one, but at least bond was able to fight his way out. So I'm, I'm just disappointed that he went into that, uh, house in eyes wide shut. They all started looking at him and he didn't pull out a microphone and start singing. You've lost that love and feeling. I know there was so, yeah, that would have been so much better if they could have just juxtaposed, like, you know, what would Ethan hunt have done in that right. situation? You know, right. He would have jumped off an airplane. Oh, man. All right. Are we ready for five questions? Ready if you are. I, I have five of them. I don't know if you're ready for them or not. But uh, <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. Why are you asking me? For? I don't know. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. All right, five questions. If you have not listened before, our five questions are kind of five loosely based questions on the movie that we're talking about. Or if I heard a word mentioned in the movie and I was like, hey, let's ask a question about that. Um, sometimes that's how loosely based they are. So uh, five questions this time around for Born on the 4th of July. Number one, favorite movie with an anti-war theme. And I, I'm going to be I'm going to be that guy. And change this question up on you at the last second. Oh, I know, I know. Because um, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, okay, movie with an anti-war theme. But let me go back to that that Sherman quote, the "war is hell" quote, and just mm-hmm. say, if you can't think of something that's an anti-war themed movie, um, what about a movie that shows the hell of war? Okay. So it doesn't have to be an anti-war movie, but it just shows kind of how rough and how hellish war can be. Well, I uh, I sort of am of two minds here. Um, there's uh, there are war movies that are anti-war movies that are serious, deep, dark anti-war movies, and then there are anti-war movies that. Oh, you didn't pick mine, did you? Oh, it depends. Do you no, want to go first? I'm cur- no, go ahead. No, no, please. No, go ahead. I, no, because I have multiple. So no, I'm go take yours. Go ahead. And no, I, I have multiple. I have multiple ones too. So go ahead. All right. So my, I'm going to go with my favorite of the list. I'm staring at right here. And then I've got some honorable mentions. We'll hit if nobody mentions them. Okay. But I love the movie Kelly's Heroes. Okay, that's not the one I was going with. Now it has been panned by so many people. In fact, there's a, a war movie podcast called Friendly Fire, and all they do is war movies. Oh, nice. Um, it's by a couple guys who do a Star Trek podcast I listen to. And then John Roderick, who does a podcast, I forget the name of his podcast, but it's a big one that people have heard of. Um, and they ripped it to shreds. And I, I enjoy them so much that even them ripping a favorite movie of mine to shreds was fun. And they weren't wrong. Don't get me. I mean, they were right on everything they said, but I still love that movie. Okay. And it, it, it talks about how horrible war is, but at the same time, it's a heist movie. Mm-hmm. So it is a war movie and a heist movie all wrapped into one. And how can you go wrong? Okay. Nice. All right, Pat, what's yours? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I don't think I got one. Okay. I, I, I don't think I, I've got one. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain. I've been thinking about it all day and I, I don't know. Um, this one, this one would definitely be right up there. 
Um, but, you know, you think of any of the movies, some of the ones we've talked about on the podcast, uh, if they're well done, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to portray a very uh, a dark side and they, they will in some way try to bring a certain truth out. And, and um, yeah, so I, I just don't think I have one. Sorry, guys. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so I, I made a list of the anti-war movies I could think of or the movies that, and I, and I have a much shorter list of the movies that are probably not anti-war, but at least show you the horrors of war. Um, one of the ones that I kind of jumped to right away that I don't feel is an anti-war movie, but definitely shows how terrible this can be was Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially that, you know, storming the beach at the beginning of the movie. Um, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, uh, Dunkirk, same thing. Sure. Um, not an anti-war movie, but just shows you just what people go through in this situation. As we said at the start of the podcast, none of the three of us have ever served. We've never been in a situation like that. So we're not, we're not criticizing. We're not, you know, saying anything like that. I'm just saying it just is can't even imagine like what that is like to be in a situation like that. Um, you know, but those two I think of as being uh, movies that are not anti-war, but they do at least show you what it's like, or at least a a portion of what it's like to be in a situation like that. Um, and then I made a list of movies that were like apocalypse now, uh, Das Boot, bridge on the river Kwai, full metal jacket platoon. Obviously Dr. Strange love was another one. Um, the one that I'm going to land on though. And, and I, I, Go to this one because when this movie came out, I loved this movie. I watched this movie so many times. Um, and that's the one I'm going to go with is Three Kings. Ah, very nice. And I just really enjoy that movie. And it's yep. not a serious one at all. No, uh, but it but is so good. It's just so much fun. The, col- the color palette in that movie mm-hmm. is just out of this world. Yeah. Have you seen that one, Pat? I have not. You oh, I love it. This, oh, this I is think like this would, be, this would be a Pat movie. This is oh, George totally. George Clooney, and there's it's a heist, right? During the yep. Gulf George War. Clooney, uh, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice T. Yeah, that's right. Ice, ice Cube, Ice Cube, not Ice T. Ice Cube. Right, Cube T, whatever. Yeah, whichever one. Uh, iced coffee. Um, no, it's it's a lot of fun. Like they they find that there is this um, uh, Kuwaiti gold. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. stolen by the Iraqis. And so their plan is to kind of go off on their own and to steal the gold for themselves. Um, but as they go along, they kind of get into these situations where they could be helping others and they have a dilemma as whether or not to continue to go for the Kuwaiti gold or help people that need help. And things go from there and, and things get crazy. And, but yeah, I, I think this would be a Pat movie. All right. Yeah. I think this would be one you'd like. We'll I put agree. it on. A, we'll put it on the list. We'll yeah. put it on the list. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, cool. I, I've been thinking. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll say this movie, and then I'm like, well, what about these other ten? I, I've just got a list, right. you know, of of movies. Right. So I got no one for you, buddy. Okay, nah, that's all right. Bo, you said you might have some others that just in case oh, you mentioned. Gosh, did yeah. they, did um, we mention them yet? So no, we haven't. Uh, okay. Lord of War. Oh yeah, is a great uh, one. Is that the Nicolas Cage where he's the gun runner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen, um, uh, I'm cutting across you. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead, man. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I kind of hadn't seen any of the more contemporary ones, but have you seen the, the Charlton Heston, uh, or not Charlton Heston, Clint Eastwood, um, 
the one he did about uh, um, uh, Ky- was his name Kyle, the Navy SEAL, the sniper, American sniper. Oh, American oh sniper. yeah, very and good. It was is it Chris Kyle? Was that his name? Sounds I right. Think so yeah. And then um, the Mark Wahlberg one uh, about Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor. I have not seen that one yet. Those are those are pretty. Uh, those yeah, are pretty. The American uh, sniper was very good. You know those, and those are more more recent. You know, mm-hmm. obviously talking about wars that are going on right now. All right. Question number two, uh, which movie of the Oliver Stone movies that we've talked about so far on the podcast uh, between his two Vietnam movies we've done so far, uh, which one do you like better? This one, Born on the Fourth of July or Platoon? I think I like Platoon better, Okay, but I'm not as sure why I just, but when you, when you sent the text of the two AB choice, that's what I had. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, the, the question kind of pre- presents a conundrum for me because it's like, you know, enjoy in quotes. But, uh, sure. you know, this one I, I find interesting because it portrays um, uh, a, this portrays the after you've come home aspect of it mm-hmm. and also gets into the historical thing with after you've come home and a soldier coming home during that Vietnam era. Yeah. And that's, you know, so I... I I don't want to say this movie gets the nod, but I guess that's where this one kind of stands out is it kind of, sh- it, it shows something that a, a number of other war pictures don't. That That's exactly the same reason I went for this one too, was I figured, you know, there's a lot of war movies out there that will show you, you know, what's going on in the war. You know, we've watched full metal jacket. We've watched uh, hamburger Hill. We've watched platoon. We've, you know, and then we've watched this one. And that's why I think I picked this one just because it's different. Like it's, I'm, I'm getting something from this movie that I did not get from those other movies or that you don't tend to get, I feel like from a lot of war movies. Right. All right. Um, question number three, favorite performance where an actor has to play someone with a disability. This was tougher than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a first one that popped into my head was Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Yep. The second one I'll hold on to so I don't steal somebody's and we'll see what, uh, see what we got. Okay. I, you know, the, I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to mind is one we did earlier this year with, uh, was my left foot. Mm-hmm. Um, solid. I, I, I just, it was, yeah. And, and, uh, Daniel day, Daniel day Lewis, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Wow. He really, uh, did a pretty amazing job. So. Well, Pat, you you and I are kind of firing on both, you did, did, the same cylinders here because that's mine too. Okay, sorry about that, man. No, no, no. no for, I, the, I, for the record, I almost said, John, why don't you tell me what you think first? You know, I I should have let you. Uh, I should have let you go. That's fine. No, I, and I, and I made a list of some other movies too. I, I tried to list off. I was like, okay, well, what movies? Off the top of my head, without googling anything, like what are some movies that I know that I've seen that I enjoy that someone has either a whether it's mental, physical, some kind of disability, um, and that the actor just did a great job portraying that, uh, or or like a, where you forgot that this actor was not was not disabled, you know, mm-hmm. was not differently abled in, in real life, and um, you know I. I went with some of the ones that are a little bit more like, well, okay, that's a bit of a stretch. But uh, originally I wrote down like Rogue One, you know, because, you know, the uh, Chirrut in way mm-hmm. in Rogue One. There you go. Mind. So I wrote that one down. Yeah. I don't think that's cheating, but that's, no. you know, it's Rogue One. I'm always going to mention Rogue One. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I wrote down a few others. I wrote down Charlie, uh, the one that's uh, based on Flowers for Algernon. Mm-hmm. 
if you guys have ever read that, that short story, I think it was a short story. Um, you know, that one from, I think it was either the sixties or seventies, that one came out. Uh, but then as I went through my, I wrote down rear window, um, you know, but as I went through my list, I, I kept coming back to, uh, just when we watched that movie earlier this year, I completely just was so immersed in that movie and that character that I forgot that Daniel day Lewis is not differently abled. Mm-hmm. He did such a good job with that, that I really thought that that was him and that he had that disability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here, you know what? I'm going to, I, I, am going to throw another one out there. The King's speech. Yeah. I yeah. there just to get another movie mentioned. I, I, boy, I sure thought that was a pretty fantastic movie. Yeah. Bo, you said you had some other ones that you had mentioned. Um, just one in this one. Um, and unfortunately my, uh, I had to tune out for a second. I was checking on a noise I heard around the corner. Oh. Um, thought somebody had fallen. Oh. But uh, so did anyone mention Theory of Everything? No. No. Is that the Eddie Redmayne? Yep. Yeah. Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I haven't seen that movie yet. Oh, good one. More to add to the list. Very, very, very good. Okay. Yeah. I Some of the others that were on my list, I, I had uh, Scent of a Woman. Um, oh yeah. Uh, had rain man. Um, Oh, t- just cause I love that movie. Uh, Brad Pitt and 12 monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that was kind of my short list of stuff I had written down. Yeah. Scent of a woman. How did I forget about that? That's a good one. I love, I like that one. All right. Number four, favorite 4th of July memory. Mine is kind of quick because, um, when I say that, and then I'm going to talk for like 20 minutes because <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, up until recently, I don't really have too many, what I'd call specific 4th of July memories because we, every year now, uh, my mother-in-law has a huge 4th of July party at her house. And that's, that's our thing. Like that's what we do on 4th of July is we have the party and then we're so exhausted by the end of the party. We just go home and kind of crash at home. Um, so we don't really ever go out and watch any fireworks we tend to watch them on TV because we're all exhausted by the end of the day. Um, you know, and we watch the PBS does the Capitol fourth, um, telecast that they do. And sometimes we'll watch the Macy's one in New York or the Chicago stuff. Um, but we haven't really gone out to actually see any fireworks, uh, like in person, but growing up, some of my favorite memories growing up are, there was a, a little town in Southwest Missouri that we'd go to is called shell knob. And they had this bridge that kind of ran right through the middle of town and it was out over Lake. And these are some of the same lakes that are kind of shared by uh, Branson and that area uh, out there kind of Lake of the Ozarks type area. And, and what they would do is everybody would go and they'd kind of park their cars really close to the bridge. And they would, I don't remember if it was from the bridge itself or if it was on a barge that was in the middle of the lake and they would shoot the fireworks off from there. And that was, just, that was just a really fun. And I had some relatives that had a cabin on the lake. So sometimes we'd go to the cabin and, you know, sit out on the back deck and watch the fireworks there. Um, when I was a little kid, you know, my grandparents' house, they lived at a house that was surrounded by farmland. And so, you know, we'd just go buy a bunch of fireworks and because uh, in Missouri it was legal. So you go buy a bunch of fireworks and, you know, we, we'd shoot them off in the backyard on 4th of July. And I was telling the kids earlier, cause we've never bought, you know, obviously they're not legal in Illinois, so we've never bought any fireworks here, but, uh, my favorite firework, uh, was the little tanks. You guys ever mm, love the tanks and then the sparks would kind of shoot the tank forward and it would roll forward. Maybe about a, maybe about six inches to a foot. And then it would start sparking out of the front. Yeah. Of the tank. 
yeah, that was that was always my favorite firework, and that was my kind of my favorite thing to to light up and and shoot off on Fourth of July. But you know, other than those memories as, as kids, you know, recently it's it's the Fourth of July party um, that we have every year, and and we had one a few years ago. We were kind of reminiscing about that um, when I shared the five questions with the, with the family tonight over dinner, and um, there was one one year where it was just crazy hot outside, and somebody brought water balloons. And it just, it turned into just fun chaos. Cool. But, so that's mine. Cool. Bo, what about your uh, 4th of July? Sort of like John. I don't have any, like, crazy, crazy memories um, about the 4th of July. Um, But just, you know, the whole tradition thing you know going out to the parade and um cooking out and hanging out with family and but no like i can't remember one that stands out you know it's weird i feel like i should but and maybe it's because there's always something to do you know Mm -hmm. got it well, I've got uh, I've got two, um, and I I mean I, I love what you guys are saying because it just hearing that about like you said the traditions and the stories and the firecracker because it just warms my heart because it is it just makes me think of family and all the different things that have happened and as we grow and like Tammy and I are married so now there's different family traditions coming together and it, it's it's just it's it's just cool uh, I, I've got two that stand out. One was a number of years ago when my folks, when we'd go see the fireworks, we always would get in close. Okay. We would get in danger close to the fireworks and it would be. Somehow we, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. And my dad would always, you know, we would head down and my dad was, yeah. And we'd, the town right by where I grew up right over, we were able to, they'd fire them off on the golf course, the Buffalo Grove golf course. And we would get in as close as they would let you get in. And there were a number of people and, and, you know, we'd, you know, stay off the greens, but you know, we were camped out on the golf course there and it was a humid night. It was hot and humid. And it was one of those that when the sun went down, it was still 91 degrees and 600% humidity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the fireworks go off. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was just like, wow, those things are pretty close. And then the big ones with the streamers, you know, that come way out, you realize that they were coming way out and landing on the ground. And then all of a sudden you felt like this dusty stuff, you know, suddenly you were covered with this. And it was like, what? And it's like, oh, it's the sulfur from or whatever from the from the fireworks going off and then as they would go off you realize that there were little flaming bits of the rockets kind of drifting down and and as as i was processing all this and the fireworks were going off i mean and it it, it was loud and it was big all of a sudden i felt something sort of like someone five starred me on my back yeah it wasn't quite that hard but i felt like something fell on me and i turned around like who tapped me on my shoulder and i realized it was a piece of uh it was a piece of one of the rockets it was on fire and uh mm. as everything was so humid that everything was like landing on the ground we were like in the fireworks and so uh that was a pretty exciting year and yeah we got home we were covered with all the 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 powder or whatever they put in those things and uh and uh, yeah, we all survived and it was, it was loud and it was bright and there were, you know, bits and pieces of uh, firework falling down upon us. So that was an exciting time. And um, so I'd say that memory. And then I'm going to say the second. And uh, I'm really sorry if this is too on the nose, but I got to be honest, this year, Stranger Things season three coming out on the 4th of July. Uh, Pat's alarm went off at 1.55 a.m. And I rolled over and pulled the phone out. And at 2 a.m. I was hitting play on season uh 
uh, it was 2 a.m., right? Or 3 or whatever the heck, whatever mm-hmm. it was. I had it set 2 a.m. I was hitting play. And um, I've just, I'm going to go on the podcast to say thank you guys so much for making sure that I watch that show. Because I know I'm like, I don't like scary things. I don't know, guys. And they're like, ah, oh, Pat, it's not, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. And and uh, I, I, yeah, this this was definitely fun because uh, I could not wait for 2 a.m. on the 4th of July, 2019, to check out the third season of Stranger Things. So that I'd have is- to say... That is a dedication that I don't I, even have. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, we. I think we're all pretty dedicated in our own way. But I mean, I I held out like I don't know if this is my thing. And then I think I watched both seasons, two, one and two, over Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. Like literally, I watched season one the night before into the morning of Thanksgiving, and then watched season two the afternoon into the morning after Thanksgiving, and was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then this one was the same. So. I, I would say those are my Fourth of July memories, but yeah, Stranger Things three has to has to be up there. Very nice, nice. All right, final question: If you had to join a branch of the military, which one would you sign up for? For me, it would probably be the Navy. Okay. Any uh, any particular reason or? Um, I. I don't really fancy myself crawling through sand or the jungle. Um, and I, I feel like I could do a submarine. Like, I think that'd be cool. Mm. Like, I think that's why, really. Got it. What about your, uh, what about yourself, John? Um, well, and I'm the one that made up the questions. Um, this was yeah, kind you of would a think question. the guy who made up the question would have an answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. With you. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, as I'm thinking about this one, I mean, I'm not. I, I I know I've shared this before. I'm not necessarily an anti-war person. I, I you know I don't I don't think I'd call myself a, a strict pacifist. You know that mm-hmm. that's that's not me. But um, there there's a time and a place where you know war is a necessary evil. I'll call it that. Um, but when I was thinking about this, I'm like, what would I, if I had to sign up for something, if I was, if I was drafted or if I had to go in for something, um, my joking answer that I wrote down was the space force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Cause I was like, I don't know. It's got space and force in the title. So let's sign up for that one. Um, and, and I, all I have to do is, Space Force. All I have to do is shoot down satellites. So, I, however, like my one absolute nightmare is being lost in space in zero gravity and just floating. So that would not work out well. Right. Um, I, I also don't swim well, so I'm not sure the Navy would be a great idea. Um, my eyesight is not great, so I don't think that I could be in the Air Force. But I also don't really want to shoot anybody, so I don't think the Marines and the Army are are good spots for me either. So I think I probably would have to go. Ultimately, I'd probably have to go Navy. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like, I feel like Navy, like I'm, I'm not the kind of person that would want to be in a combat role, like a, a direct combat role where I'm, you know, seeing the other person in front of me, uh, and, and I have to dispatch them, uh, while being able to see them. So I think that for me, it would have to be something like the Navy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I also don't swim well. So, but as, as I have been told in the past, I, apparently there are many people in the Navy that don't swim well. Hmm. So, so no, you're not going to be like flying drones for the Air Force or any of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I see if that's an option. I mean, I guess I could, but yeah, I yeah. guess that's an option too. 
Although, although I did watch the, um, what was the, uh, not Jack Reacher. Um, what was the one they just did on Amazon prime? Oh, was it the, is it John Grisham novels? Oh man. Oh, um, John Krasinski was Jack Jack Ryan. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, Oh, is that any good? It was good. Yeah. There was a, there was an episode though, where a drone operator, like, I don't know if PTSD is the right word for kind of what he goes through, but he realizes something that he's done or, or people that he's attacked with the drones. And like, even there, I'm like, you know, this guy goes through some psychological stuff, even just being a drone operator in the, in the back of a truck. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so maybe, maybe I could do that too. Maybe if it's reconnaissance drones. We'll put yeah. it this way. Put it this way. I don't want to kill anybody. So if there's a role that I could, if there's a place that I could go and a role that I could take, that is something where I don't end up killing anyone, then whatever branch of the military that is, put me there. Mm-hmm. I'll do reconnaissance. I'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. So wherever the most appropriate place for that is. But not just, but 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 not the swimming. Like you, you wouldn't be like a coast guard uh, rescue di- uh, rescue. What do they call those guys that jump out of the helicopters that swim oh, up to? Oh no 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 no! You'd have to rescue me if I jumped Oof. out of a helicopter. Did and... you see that? Uh, that what was it? The Guardian, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know where the critics fall on that whole movie, but boy, I I, I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I, I tell you, man, seeing some of those some of those scenes, I was pretty intense. No 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 no! My when 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 Nora was, gosh, how old was she? She's maybe four or five. Uh, she got a little over eager and, and dove into a swimming pool before she was really quite ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I jumped in after her and mm-hmm. I didn't really do such a great job of rescuing her mm. because Did- I myself am also like bobbing up and down and like, okay, hold on. I just got to We got to get to the side of the pool here. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yet, yeah, no, I would not be like the coast guard rescue people. I, that would, yeah. you'd have to rescue me. Yeah. But you still jumped in for your daughter without hesitation, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our five questions. Did I get everybody's? I think I got everybody's. Did I get yours, Pat? I No. no I, um, I didn't get yours. I, well, yeah. And, and it, 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 the best answer out of all of us. I didn't get his answer. Well, I, I don't know about that. I, um, you know, and I'll cycle back to my earlier conversation. It's very easy to sit here and be sitting here in my rocking chair, just kind of like in the podcast saying, you know, talking about what I could do or couldn't do and all that. But I, I guess I would have to echo your comments, guys, and, and say the U.S. Navy. And I'll just say that my grandfather and father both served in the Navy. So growing up, that was kind of, um, that was, you know, one of the things that was prevalent, you know, in, in, in growing up to talking about it. And, um, uh, you know, I, I guess if you probably would have asked me even up going into high school, what I was going to do after high school, it probably would have told you I'm going into the U S Navy. Um, but I was always fast. I was fascinated by submarines, fascinated by the surface uh, warfare, the, you know, destroyers and cruisers and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but I'll be really honest with you. And, and if it, it, I would um, was very I'm very fascinated by uh, like the Navy SEALs. And mm-hmm. I and I, I I like I said, I'm just going to preface this by saying it's very easy to just sit here and say, oh, I'd be able to do this or that and the other thing. But um I guess I, I guess I would just be curious to see if I, if I could, you know, if I could do that training and, and be that, uh, and, and do that in, in reading about that and talking with people that have and so forth. And so, yeah, but I, I would say U S Navy. And, and like I said, my grandfather, my father, my cousin is currently serving. My first boss was, a it was career Navy. 
Um, my first principle was so. Anyways, I guess that's that's what I would say. Okay. Right. Nice. And like anybody growing up in the '80s, man, if I, you know, flying F-14 Tomcats off an aircraft well, carrier, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you know, yeah. barring that, but mm-hmm. yeah. There was a movie that we watched with my family when I was in Texas. Uh, one of the nights they were just, they put on, they put on a, a different movie every night. Uh, they put it on when everybody was kind of late and everybody was just kind of getting ready for bed. And uh, one of the movies we watched was called uh, the title on, was it Amazon prime or I forget where it was. Uh, it was called the command, but the other title of the movie is Kursk. And it's mm. about the, uh, it's about the accident that happened. Yeah. In, was that 2001? Mm-hmm. 2000, 2001. Um, I remember because I was, I helped kind of write a, a story on it for the college newspaper when it happened. Um, but it was the uh, explosion that happens on the Russian nuclear sub. Right. And, uh, all the men are trapped in there and, and other uh, international aid is, is trying to help out, but the uh, Russian officials are not allowing them to do it. Uh, not a bad movie. You know, it wasn't, um, I didn't know what to expect going into it. it. It didn't look like it had too many, you know, bigger name actors. Um, but, uh, you know, pretty decent movie. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the other one, while I'm talking about that real quick, the other ones I saw, um, uh, was it called the five? So we had a Russian theme going on. Was it called the five Russians? Might've been the five Russians. It was a documentary about, um, the, the five uh, Russians. Yes. About the five <laughs> Russians. Um, thank you. I'm going to keep the podcast family friendly and you say, thank you. Bo. Jeez. Hey um, man. Summertime, it's after 9.30. Game on. Yeah, that's fine. Um, no, it's a documentary about the Detroit Red Wings. Sure, yeah. And the, kind of how they got that team together and won the Stanley Cup and all that. Really, really good documentary. Um, and then the third movie that we watched that was... This, super cool, actually. It was, yeah. Check that out. <laughs> no, if, if you can find it, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and uh, then the third one we watched was a movie called Sorry to Bother You. Okay. I don't know how to describe this movie. Okay, now I'm even this more movie, interested. Now you need to go see it. This movie is, and 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 the family that I was there watching it with, of of the cousins that were there, um, you know, we had a, a range of ages from you know like mid twenties all the way up to my uh, aunt and uncle that were there, and they kind of left early. My aunt left early, and she's like, "Nope, I'm done. I, I'm I'm not watching this anymore." Uh, my uncle sat through it all, but when the movie ended, he immediately stood up when the credit starts and he looked at his youngest son and said, um, I won't repeat exactly what he said, but he said, I can't believe you made me watch this movie. <laughs> and he walked out. And then the rest of us that were sitting there were like, I th- think I liked it, but I, I'm not sure. So hmm. I, the, the premise of the movie is you have, um, uh, you have this uh, black man who works in a call center, like he's working as a telemarketer kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you know, he can't, he doesn't sell anything. Like customers think of him as being, you know, very off-putting and they just, they don't like his voice and they don't like the way he talks. And so he decides to adopt a white voice when he makes his phone calls and he starts selling things like crazy. Hmm. So then some of the other uh, telemarketers start doing the same thing. And those people who do start making more money and they get moved up into like the elite group. And you think that ultimately you kind of think that this movie is going to go the route of 
the people who are left in the kind of lower call center are going to start unionizing and they're, you know, that looks like they're going to start trying to fight back against the people who have all the money and the power and the, they're not being paid a living wage and all this other stuff. And this is a comedy movie. So it's kind of a, a social commentary, but also a comedy. And then that's about the first, let's say 80% of the movie, the last 20% of the movie, you will sit there and just go, what the heck am I watching? Because it takes a crazy surreal turn. And all of a sudden the movie is not about people trying to fight for better wages anymore. It gets weird, but in kind of a fun way. Okay. So that's all I'll say. If you're, if you're just looking for something to watch and you are not sure what to watch and you're just like, Hey, I'm up for anything. Then, um, definitely give this one a try. I think you will definitely think at least parts of this are funny. And when it, when the movie takes that turn, you'll either sit there and go, this is great. Or you'll sit there and go, I hate John. Now I need to find him and beat the crap out of him. (laughs) Well, we did all get, we did get you, uh, you know, to watch the room. So I'm, this is nowhere near as bad as the room. Okay. This is actually a good movie. Good actors, you know? Okay. So, so it's called, sorry to bother you. Got it. It just came out last year. All right. So I think that's going to do it for um, for Born on the Fourth of July this time. So we're going to be back next time with Look Who's Talking. So a, a slight shift in terms of our movies here. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we'll be back here with that one next time. So thank you, Bo Lovefest, and thank you, Pat. Thank, thank you, John. John. All right. We'll be back here next week with Look Who's Talking. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next week.